The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone. This is episode number 95. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The Schmo. And I'm Helen Yee with Helen Yee Sports. And today's guest is one of our favorite humans on planet Earth. He's a great conversationalist. He's the one and only head coach of AKA and one of the greatest humans, Mr. Javier Mendez. I'm AKA Hob. Yeah, always great (laughs) to see you. And we finally have you in studio. We've been wanting you in studio for a while because we've only like Skyped you in before on our podcast. Well, the Skype thing doesn't work too well, guys. I mean, this is much better, you know, in, in here. Like earlier, like I was saying, I was Skyping and I had my iPhone and I had it like this out in the sun and it went off <laughs> right in the middle of my head. The phone overheats. F- phone overheat. It says your phone turned off because it's overheated. Can you believe that? The iPhone overheats. So for all of you guys watching, do not put your iPhone out in the heat. <laughs> It'll overstop. It'll overheat. And... Don't you notice that after every few years, the iPhone, the battery just starts dying really fast? Well, I have the new one, right? And it's unbelievable, but my battery lasts all day. All day. And you're on it oh, a lot. I'm on it a lot. Yeah. yeah, on it a lot the whole day. But slowly as the months go by, the years go by. Slowly. Just, just like us as we get older, right? Slowly, I guess um, you know. yeah. I guess we have that Good in common point. with yeah, the iPhone. Yeah. We're, yeah. It happens, but it happened. Well, we appreciate you coming on. It's yeah. always great to talk to you. Yeah, great. It was great to be here. You took me away from the tables. I was losing my butt off, so that was all right. So that's why you're in Vegas. Just well, that's why I was going to be late. <laughs> oh, but I lost quicker than oh, expected. That's... So, so I told you, you did. I may be fifteen to twenty minutes because I was on a streak. Then all of a sudden, that streak went kaboom, and I said, oh, "Go deep in my pocket again, or come do the show." The show. The universe was telling you. The universe was telling me, come here. Don't leave your money on the table. Come here. Save it. Then go back after I'm done with you guys. Is it craps or blackjack? No, it's Texas Hold'em, the table card game. I never win. Is this kind of like the fight week routine you do here when you come to Vegas? You got to play Hold'em as part of the whole fight week routine for you, Coach? No, it used to be Crazy Four. Okay. It used to be Crazy Four. Way back then when Koscheck was fighting and I would come for the ultimate fighter, I would be here. And as soon as I'm done training, I'd be at Crazy Four at the Rio. <laughs> and now I'm at the, at the Planet Hollywood, but it's Texas Hold'em now. Well, if anyone who's listening doesn't know who Coach Javier Mendez is, he only coaches terrible fighters. You know, terrible fighters. Just the Cain Velasquez of the world, the Luke Rockholds, the Daniel Cormier's. I guess there's a guy named Habib Narmagomedov. And right now there's a guy fighting this upcoming weekend named Islam Makhachev. Among others that you coach as well. I was just throwing some names out there. Yeah, you're throwing some. There's a lot more, but we don't need to talk about that. And Josh Koscheck, you mentioned? We mentioned this is about Islam time, so I guess Islam is the one we really want to talk about, right? 
Right. Of course. But uh, it's, I guess it's fight week, but there's always got to be some level of controversy, right? Controversy meaning, you know, Benil Dariush, who was the third ranked <clears throat> guy, he was supposed to fight him. He had to pull out of the fight for injury. New opponent, fresh face, coming off two weeks' notice after his win at UFC 271 in Houston, Bobby Green. Last second opponent change doesn't matter. Got to get the W, and I assume then just fighting for the title. Yeah, you know, the it was Wednesday before we were to fly out last week. I'm uh, coming, walking through, uh, and uh, I said to Islam, what's going on? He goes, coach, fight's off, but Neil got hurt. I go, oh. I said, ah, UFC will get you somebody. You know, don't worry about it. They always do. You know, so we get on the plane. We arrive here. As soon as before we even arrived, we, we I was told by Helen that uh, what's going on? Oh, never mind. I think I think it's Bobby Green. <laughs> so I said, "Oh, we got Bobby Green." So uh, Helen told me who you're gonna fight before anybody else told me. So I got the scoop from Helen. <laughs> Breaking news as always. But were you expecting it to be Bobby Green, or because you said, or you told Islam that don't worry, they're gonna find you someone. So who were you expecting? I didn't know who I was expecting. I was expecting a top guy, but Bobby Green, in my opinion, fits the bill perfectly. I yeah. mean, he just fought. He was very impressive. I was very impressed with him in all aspects of how he brings the fight, gets the crowd going in his, you know, excitement of what he does. And it's it's an exciting fight for the crowd. You know, let's see what we can do with him, you know. But as far as an opponent, it's a great opponent. And it may be slightly tougher for us because of, of the, the fact that he's a wrestler, you know, and he's actually, to me, a better striker. You know, he's a better striker than, than Benil was, in my opinion. So so we got a tougher guy, and I think, I think. So how are you switching up the preparation on the fly if doing anything different at all? Well, that's the beauty about Islam, right? Islam is a fighter that doesn't need uh, preparation for this fighter or that fighter. He just needs Habib and I to tell him, Fight this way, fight this way, fight that way. And that's all he needs to do. He's so well-rounded that I don't know if you guys remember, but in Abu Dhabi, when he fought Dhabi Ramos, the game plan for that was the matador and the bull. So stay up, keep it up, keep the fight, you know, moving, moving, moving. Watch the fight. He did perfectly that. He didn't want to take uh, Dhabi to the ground. We didn't want him to go to the ground because we felt the best chance for him was uh, to win was on the ground. You know, being the was he a jiu-jitsu world champion, ADDC or whatever, uh, the Abu Dhabi, that's what he was, right? I believe so. I believe so, yeah. And we then, don't have our fact checkers yeah, on, me, on salary right now. Yeah. We got we got to you know, raise our profile up to, <laughs> to get to that level. But he was a very dangerous ground guy. And, and he also was dangerous on the stand-up, but not at long distance. So that's where the Matador idea came from. So what I'm saying is Islam Makachev can do it all. Certainly can. Um, but... Obviously, everyone's talking about winner of this fight between Benio and Islam, guaranteed title shot. Any trepidation in your eyes from the UFC that now that there's a new opponent in Bobby Green, who obviously, is he even ranked? If he's not, he's on the cusp of the top 15. Uh, they might even put him in the rankings this week if they haven't already. But do you think there's any fear because of the change in an opponent that he won't get the title shot with the win on Saturday evening? No, I don't think there's any fear of that because if you think about it, who's left? Right. Dustin? I mean, and, and Justin Gage is going to fight him. Right. So who who's left? Michael Chandler? Who? I, I it doesn't make any sense. That you know, there's only one guy that can jump jump uh, ahead of everybody, and we've yet to see if that's going to happen or not. But but right now, I don't see anybody uh, jumping ahead of of Islam with a win. I don't see it. 
you know, and I don't think the, and it comes down to the fans, right? We know this is not a true sport. Is it entertainment first, sport second? So if it was a true sport, Islam hands down gets it, but it's entertainment first. But an entertainment value, who's going to tune in, right? Who's going to tune in to Michael Chandler versus Oliveris or, or Justin Gagey again versus who's going to tune in to Islam Makachev? Right, because he hasn't fought. He's on an eight-fight, nine-fight win streak. If he wins this one, he'll be what either nine or ten-fight win streak. So it's all very obvious that it's going to be Islam that's going to get the opportunity because the people are going to want to see it. People are going to be behind them. And if you haven't noticed, but I have noticed, the UFC is putting some muscle behind Islam now. They weren't before, but they are now. So the machine is behind him. So if the machine is behind you and you're successful and you're an exciting fighter. What other option are they going to do? They're going to put you in the slot because they're prepping for that. Yeah, we totally agree on our end, too. In regards to Bobby Green, though, it's interesting that you believe that he's a tougher matchup. Um, I'm excited that he's finally getting a main event spot. It seems like John Anik, after his victory, uh, which I thought he was extremely impressive against Nasrat Hakpras, like I thought he was saying, I saw him saying that, hey, this guy's deserving of a main event spot. And I guess two weeks later, here he is. He's got a main event spot. But... You believe that it's a tougher matchup, and you brought up some different ways, and he's been around. He's in his mid-30s. But, like, what stylistically do you see out of him that's kind of different than his early years? Because he's in his mid-30s. He's not a young guy. He's been around the UFC for a long time, but he's having a lot of success lately, and I think that's what the fans are noticing too. I think he, to be honest with you, it appears that he came to love fighting, and he loved to perform. You know, he loves to perform. He doesn't fight the best strategies. He fights the exciting ones, you know, and and, and he's doing it to win this time. Before, it was like, man, nah, nah, nah. he didn't know where he was. I feel personally he knows exactly where he's at. He knows exactly what he wants to do, and he goes out and does the job. His last fight was very, very impressive. And I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I, I enjoyed his fight, and I enjoyed the fight before that and the fight before that. He's very enjoyable to watch, very enjoyable. Well, when you say that, you feel like it's because you could see or feel that he loves what he does now. Do you think that's kind of a main thing uh, in fighters that make them so successful to have that passion, that pure love? Because you've trained so many champions. Yes. Uh, I believe if a fighter's fighting for money, it doesn't equate to them giving out their best performance because they're not fighting for the love of the fighting and the winning and the conquering. They're fighting for the paycheck. And that paycheck isn't good enough. When you love something, you you go with it more. You know, you give more of an effort when you're in love with what you're doing. Like me, I love the coach. So guess what? Eight o'clock every morning, I'm there on time. Like I'm supposed to be enough. I'm not. I'm calling somebody. Something's happened. I, I'm going to be a little late because I love the coach. So I'm there all the time. So if you love to fight and you're really good at it, guess what? You're going to reach that potential and you're going to reach you know the top of the food chain and and it may be champions for some of these guys but you would definitely go as high as you can if you love it if you want to go out there and you give it to because if you don't i just oh i'm coming because they're paying me a couple million dollars well there's no love in it how are you going to train right what do you think truly motivates islam because clearly they're not just doing this for the money that doesn't seem like it's of importance they're very very prideful their country is extremely important to them Obviously, you've been around Habib for such a long time and these Dagestan fighters. What would you say is motivating him on his quest to becoming the champion? Well, I would say what's motivating him is not the financial part, like you're saying. It's the legacy for what he wants to leave behind, you know, for what he's doing, for what Habib's done. And the 
up and coming fighters that are coming behind him. There's they have a lot of great fighters. Uh, Ego Ego does, you know. Uh, so I think it's the the same as Habib. You know, it's money is definitely a motivator. And if I'm saying it's not, I'm lying because every fighter is motivated by money. But it's not the only thing that's motivating him. It's the it's the accomplishment. Uh, of winning that title and the legacy, you know, and I think that's what Islam is wanting to do. And I say uh, money's not the motivator because we have another example of somebody that did fight for the money, Dustin. Dustin fought for the money, rightfully so, that's what he wanted. But it wasn't it wasn't the right thing that Islam is. Islam wouldn't have fought that fight. He would have waited for the title fight because that's what he wants. Just like Habib, they would have took the title. They wouldn't have fought for the money. Now, after you win the title and you want to fight for money, I think yes, because now you accomplish that goal, you know. But they haven't accomplished that goal. So speaking of the title, and if Islam, you know, obviously beats Bobby Green this weekend, do you think that he's gonna fight Charles Oliveira or Justin Gaethje for the title? That's a tough one. <laughs> That's a tough one because remember the last two fights that Charles had, he got hurt. He got hurt. Chandler hurt him pretty bad in the first round, and he came back super strong, right? And with Dustin, the same thing. He got hurt not as bad, not as bad, but he got hurt earlier on, and he came on pretty strong. So can Justin hurt him like that right away? And the only difference, I think, in my personal opinion, is I think Justin's more of a killer. I mean, he's more of a killer, and he's going to – if he hurts Charles, he just might finish him. You know, we won't know till the fight happens, but this is what I say. Early – I give Justin late. I give Oliveras because he's shown that he's shown that he's resilient and he comes on stronger. He gets better as the rounds go on. We've seen that from him. Well, Justin does have the wrestling background, but we saw what Habib did to him on the ground. He's had his way. He picked the submission victory that he wanted to do. You know, he called a shot to get the victory. Oliveira is a submission specialist. Do you think that there's anything that Habib kind of highlighted any of a weakness area in the jiu-jitsu game that Justin has that would be a strength to Oliveira in that department? Well, he did. He showed that, you know, Oliveira can beat him definitely on the ground, but Habib's another animal in itself. A lot of people don't realize what I realize and the people that are around Habib that wrestled with him, that grappled with him, they realize what a beast he is. That I've never seen anybody as good as Habib. No one. No one. He's the best I've ever seen. So for me... Why do I come up with so much confidence in a guy like that? Why did I even say when he broke his darn toe and he's fighting Justin, oh, we're going to win this fight. Worst training camp ever, ever. And yet I was the most confident ever with this guy going into the fight because his mind is so strong. His mind is so strong. And that makes a big, big difference. And he loves to compete. And he was holding the secret the whole time. He gets a hand raise, he's going to retire right there. And he didn't tell any of you guys that. <laughs> oh, he didn't tell me that. In my mind, I'm going, oh, I'm going to be rich. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, come on. Now, now you're still involved with everything overseas with him, and, and now you're coaching the, the, you know, just the whole entire legacy. I mean, yeah. these, all, the, all the fighters that are following in his footsteps, the whole team, it's all going through you and AKA. No, not the whole team. <laughs> if you go back to, to uh, his uh, town when, when Abdul Manap's uh, gym, oh, boy, there's hundreds of those guys in there, all studs, all from the young to the old. He's got an incredible, incredible team uh, rising over there, and I'm saying it now, and I've said it before. Uh, they're, they're the team. They're the team of the future. They are the team of the future. They I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen what's and I and the guys are here. The Umars, the Ushman, you know, the Sagid, you know, the Gaji, you know, the Umar, you know, 
and Islam and the other Islam, the, you know, those incredible guys, you know, and, and I've been with these guys to hear, you know, all those guys, all top level guys, they got more at home. They got more at home. And they're funneling them through Eagle FC now, too, which is making its second uh, yeah, U.S. March debut. 11. March 11th will be there at the fight. But I have to ask you this as well. I saw Habib and Uncle Dana next to each other. They, they seem to be all buddy-buddy and everything like that. And, you know, I think Dana supports what Habib is doing for the sport. And I think there's such a le mutual level of respect. I know they have a great relationship, but it just seems like – Everyone's benefiting that Habib has his promotion. He's brought it to the United States. Well, also, don't forget Bellator. Bellator, Bellator supports Habib 100%. Scott yes. Coker's right on board. Uh, Scott Coker lent them uh, the last heavyweight, uh, 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 Karatanov. He lent them that to go fight uh, against their guy. So Scott Coker's all for it, too. So Habib is doing it right. He's friends with all these guys. And he's not going to ruin the relationship by, by doing something underhanded. You know, he's going to keep it straight. He's going to, you know, keep his relationships intact with all these other promotions. But he's going to be doing his thing. He's going to make Ego FC the best he can be. And if it's the best in the world, it's the best in the world. You know, but that's the goal, to be the best in the world. But not step on anybody's toes in the process. I just love that he made a 165-pound weight division. He's not afraid to do his own thing in this sport. Your dream I've been true. asking for a 165-pound weight division for years. And I would have never thought that Habib would be the one to start it. Oh, maybe you can ask him. I can put in a good word for you. I, I did get to ask him at the press conference, but I didn't get to ask him enough. I did get that Schmo interview, though. Well, you got What's the happening? interview, but what about the fight? Oh, the fight. The fight. What's your fight? Don't you want to fight? You oh, said uh -oh. 165, you're happy. <laughs> oh, oh, you meant as a spectator. Well, but, well, if I was to ever... Because you do like challenges. If I was to ever get involved in a charity match, charity grappling match. or MMA, who, it would be with? 165. Who? We already know who, who? I'd go against. Who? Your favorite reporter. Errol? Yeah. Errol, if you're watching this, you're going to get your ass kicked. I'm going with the schmo. <laughs> but he would never do it. But Well, you watched it when I said you're going to get your ass kicked there. Oh, but, that, you but, that, but I love that. I love the fact that he made that division. But Errol's got the nose, bro. He does. Got the nose. And it, that nose has the reach. I'd have to watch my eyes. But well, other than that. You did just play basketball with on Floyd Mayweather's team. I did. I played with Floyd Mayweather in a basketball game. Is he good? He was pretty good. He's competitive. He's competitive as Very hell. competitive. Yeah, I watched the nature of uh, the beast. Now you know why he's the greatest, right? I do. I do. But if Pacquiao would have... I was just debating this earlier with Henry in our, our show. We, we do a podcast together, Triple C and Schmo Show. If, if I, they fought too late, Pacquiao at, fought in 2015 in his mid-30s against Floyd. They were both in their mid-30s. That fight should have happened years earlier. But if Pacquiao beat Floyd Mayweather... Would you consider him the greatest boxer of all time? Pacquiao? Pacquiao. He's already one of the greatest, but if he beat he, Floyd, he would have been the greatest, I think. It's a good argument for that. Definitely a good argument for that because Floyd, Floyd's impeccable. He's impeccable. The closest I've ever seen anybody uh, to taking him was De La Hoya. He came the closest. It was came down to one round, and, and definitely Floyd won the last round. And In everybody's eyes, he won that fight, but that was a close fight. You know that, and then the the flip on that was father, Floyd's father was on Oscar's corner. So hence, yeah, there was some some there, there had to been some secrets been given back and forth on what to do and what to expect. So that's why I think maybe Oscar got the closest uh, to Floyd, but no one else has gotten close to him at all. 
Well, ironically, the person to retire Oscar was Manny Pacquiao, and he's the only eight-division champion in boxing history. That speaks for itself, too. But you're right. When it comes to Floyd, I mean, I look at Floyd and I look at Khabib. Two guys, absolutely perfect, dominated their sports, and uh, you know, going out on top and seemed to be more successful outside of the ring or the cage them went in it. I think that's still being written for Khabib, but look what he's doing with these business ventures, yeah. and yeah. I think yeah. Eagle FC is well on its yeah. way. Well, you know, one of the things the uh, business ventures that have Bobby he goes, Coach, look, he shows me the picture. You go to the ships, ships, I go, I go, Habib, I don't see any ships there. He goes, no, look, Coach, the ships, ships, I own 2,000 plus ships. I went, Oh, you mean sheep? <laughs> Those are sheep, I mean. He goes, oh, yes, yeah, sheep, coach, sheep. Not ship. He <laughs> it's sheep. I go, yeah, he has like 2,000, 3,000 or whatever. It was thousands of sheep. That's He says it's a very good business. Wow. And that's just one of many businesses he has. Of course, he has FitRu by Habib, you know, but now it's just FitRu. He's got FitRu Water, you know. Uh, he's got Eagle, Eagle EFC, right? He has uh, rentals. He has restaurants. He's got the Eagle... Uh, Papapka Cafe, Cafe Shop. He also has, I think, uh, Send Me Location Gyms that started in in Abu Dhabi. Big mate. It's first class. First class gym. He joined partnership over there. I mean, he, I, I can't even mention all the business ventures he's got, but I can just say this. He's extremely successful in business like he was in fighting. Very smart, too. Extremely, extremely. Yeah, and wise. Someone I wanted to bring up on a side note, because earlier you were talking about like coaching stuff. When we went to see you a couple weeks ago in San Jose, it was nice to see Kane there. Velasquez, yeah. Yeah, Kane, Kane. I've been trying to get him to help me coach for like after he retired. Hey, you know, if you're not happy to do anything, if you want to come by the gym, I'm saying it would be nice just to see you. And I'm hoping you'd hold, okay, come on, Kane, please come up. And little by little, he, 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 I kept telling him, and he wouldn't do it. Kept saying he wouldn't do it. Finally, he came in. Now I don't say nothing. He just comes in like clockwork, and he trains a lot of the guys. And he's getting involved full swing with, with the, the coaching. And, man, what a great coach Kane is. What a great coach. Unbelievable. He, he, if he devotes the time and the energy, just like him and Habib, those two guys are going neck to neck to see who's going to be the greatest coach. And I think Henry Segudo is right in that that mix too. And Henry may be a little bit further ahead than those two guys are because he's already showing by what he's doing, producing the champions that Henry already has. And people are seeking out Henry's uh, you know tutelage. You know, rightfully so, he, he's done great with him, right? He's confident, and Henry knows what he's talking about. Well, I think Cain Velasquez and Habib have the same qualities, if not more. Is there anyone in particular that Kane's working with specifically right now? Uh, I think he was working with Mowgli just recently. He started working with Mowgli in his last fight, and uh, I didn't see the fight, but I, I heard that Mowgli was doing really well till he got gassed or tired. I didn't see the fight, so I, I, I can't. I'm just going by what I heard. I don't know. I just heard he got tired, and the guy was very resilient, and the guy came back really good and hit him with 10 punch or something, 10 strike uh situation before the fight got ended and Mowgli uh struggled with the weights uh, struggled with COVID he had a lot of hardships and that's a lot of the things that a lot of people don't see and their excuses yes they are excuses right because when you fight doesn't matter you're fighting but there there are reasons why these excuses comes out right it's an excuse but 
this is the reason why his performance wasn't so great. Struggling with weight, struggling with, with COVID. So now you come in and you perform and you underperform, you know. It's an excuse. And are you crying? You're being a baby. Yeah, 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 you are. You are. But the reason why is this. So whether we like it or not, that's going to happen in all the sports. There's no one ever is going to 100% be healthy, right? But there's reasons why they do what they do. And if their mind breaks, doesn't matter. You know, you're not going to perform up to your level. Who's been the most relatively healthy fighter and for what fight were they f- completely healthy for leading up to it? Because there's always nicks and that. So you even brought up the broken toe with Habib. But who have you cornered going into a fight week where they were just probably the healthiest they had ever been going into any other fight? Islam Makachev. Now or before? Uh, before. Before, he's always healthy. And right now, he appears to be super healthy. Man, he's so on point right now. Wow. I'm, if you watch him in the gym, you go, this guy's a machine, man. He's so, so technical, so precise, so precise. He's unbelievable. You got to watch out for him for everything. Kick, knee, getting thrown on your head, submission, you name it, defense, offense. He's got it all. Islam Makachev has it all, you know. Well, he has you and Habib in his yeah. corner. Like he has an advantage that Habib didn't have when he was going through um, from that from that standpoint of having someone who's like a brother to him and having you f- going through the reins with Habib, obviously going through everything you have with DC, Kane, and all the fighters and champions you've worked with beforehand. I feel like from a coaching standpoint, he's getting the best of the best in his prime right now that I don't even know if any other fighter has an advantage that he has when it comes to the coaching standpoint. Um, well, he's definitely getting a lot of experience. And definitely, you know, Habib, a lot, a lot of people don't know, Habib's more the coach than I am. I'm more the mentor to Habib. And, and I am a coach to all those other guys. But the show with the Eagle Dagestan boys is run by Habib. Even though they say I'm the head coach, it's really Habib. He's really the head coach. But I'm his mentor, and I'm his head coach. So... In in a roundabout way, I am the head coach, but I'm really not, you know, because, you know, I say 9 o'clock training, I show up, okay, I'll give you an example. Uh, I show up this uh, uh, Friday at uh, the Apex, they go, no, Thursday, I show up Thursday for Apex, you know, I'm waiting there at 9 o'clock, and I'm waiting, no one's there, mom's like, hey, uh, you guys, where's training? They go, Oh, coach, Habib leaves me a voice message. Oh, coach, I wanted to give you the day off because today is grappling day and you don't do nothing on grappling. So I wanted to give you the day off, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, okay, that's fine. I don't I don't care. I'll take the day off. But had you told me last night, then I could have been gambling all night instead of <laughs> <laughs> instead of waiting to go to sleep early. You know, I, he actually saved me money. But still, what I'm trying to say here is, I said 9 o'clock, Habib changed it to another location. He could have changed the time. He could have ever. It doesn't matter. It happens to me all the time. And I'll be honest with you, I never got mad one time because I know one thing about my Dagestan guys and Habib guys, there's no disrespect ever. Not one time in my life have those guys ever, ever, one time disrespected me. Never. Never. No. And if they did, it was unintentional. How do you feel about a lot of fans starting to – make that comparison of Islam and Habib? Uh, I say it like this. 
Habib is Habib, Islam is Islam. They're they're different. They're both in my eyes going to be champions. They one's already the champion. One's already the greatest of all time to me, and the other one's going to be a great one too, and will be a champion. You know, and but they're different. You know, Habib has different set of skills. You know, Islam had different set of skills. Uh, you know, Habib was more mental focused and, and driven than Islam. Islam is more cool, relaxed, but he can also do more. Habib's got uh, good throws. Islam's got great throws, you know. Habib didn't kick very well. Islam's got really good kicks. Habib didn't knee very well. Islam has good knees. And it wasn't until Habib got kneed by Islam that Habib started realizing, oh, those knees work pretty good. So then Habib started to need because it was done to him. And uh, they're different. They're different fighters. They're not the same fighters. And I, I don't ever want to, you know. But they're both, one is the greatest, one is going to be great. How good? I don't know, but he is going to be great, and I believe he will be champion. Could he become the greatest? Could he surpass him? And to me, I don't think so. I don't think anybody can that that, that, that retires with any losses, you know, because it's never happened to him. And how many rounds has Habib lost? You can count them one hand. Yeah. Yeah. Who can you say that about? I want anybody. Whoever you guys are watching, anybody's watching, tell me one great fighter that's lost as many rounds less rounds than habib tell me and then then we can talk and been clean been clean well let me take it one step further habib never went outside of his weight class to fight could you see islam going up in weight and t fighting another weight class becoming um, a two-division champion i could see it if he wants to yeah yeah but i don't know if that's what he wants he might just want to stay where he's at and focus there you know get the title defend it you know, while he's young. The thing about Habib's crew and all what they're working on is when they're getting into that 35, 36 age range, Habib is more on the maybe brother, brother, go do business, be coach, you know, maybe you don't fight no more. Because he believes in the, the aging factor of slowing down and he doesn't want his guys to get hurt. He wants them to compete at the highest level without, you know, diminishing any of their skills. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, though, but how is the weight cut? And as he gets older, too, um, he defends the belt. He accomplishes what he wants in that division. Don't you see it as an opportunity to, you know, really cement that legacy and have two belts, two different divisions? Yeah, it can be. It can be, definitely. I mean, and definitely if he, if he goes and does that, it definitely can uh, enhance his situation. But then again, let's go one step further. He can also go after the middleweight title, too, and he's capable of beating the middleweights. Listen, when I was in Russia, okay, and, and Islam was sparring, he was sparring with a world champion wrestler that was about 220 pounds, okay? Is, and the guy is really good, world champion. Islam was having no problem with him. No problem with him. 220 pounds, maybe heavier. You know, no problem with him. So can he handle big guys? Absolutely. Is it smart to spar big guys? Absolutely not. It's not because the, their, their weight factor has has a, a potential, uh, you know, bad effect on somebody with a smaller body. I'll give you a perfect example. If you guys remember that uh, Game of Thrones, that big monster guy? Yeah. What's his name? I forgot his name. Uh, but, but you know what I'm talking about from Game of Thrones, right? Yes. And he's out there punching people, and he went in with Dustin Poirier. He went and did some grappling. He did with the other jujitsu guy uh, from Connor's oh. team. What, what's yeah, it? I saw, I saw the, uh, yeah. the Dylan Dennis guy. No, not Dylan Dennis. The other guy. The other guy. Uh, he's really Artem, good. Artem Lobo? No, no, no. He's the other guy. The other guy. From Connor's team? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, he's from Norwegian or something, Norwegian. 
he grappled one too, and he hurt his rib because the guy went on top of him. He hurt his rib okay. really bad. He's just coming back to the UFC. He's really good. Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson. Ah, yeah, Gunnar Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, Gunnar Nelson. So what I'm trying to say fighting is fighting on the London card. I think. Yeah, when you have somebody that's that big, even though you can handle it, your body might not be able to handle that weight and that power. And that's what happened to Gunnar. And he said that he goes, "That was a bad mistake," you know. And I agree. And that's what I'm saying about Islam. He can handle the heavyweight guys because he proved it to me against the world. I mean, the best in the world. But is it a smart thing? No, it's not. If Islam became the first man in UFC history to have belts in three different weight divisions, I think that puts him in the conversation of greatest of all time. I know we're just throwing all these hypotheticals we're doing out. That might, cha- that might change your mind. <laughs> that though. would change my mind, okay. of course. Okay. Hey, look, listen. If Henry Segudo <laughs> goes <laughs> up and he gets that 145 strap, that might change my mind also because of his great accomplishments. And, and don't be shocked with that guy, though. Don't be shocked with him. I won't put nothing past him. That guy is mentally strong, and, and I believe, yeah. And, yeah I believe, and also, too, let me tell you something. In my opinion, Habib could have definitely 100%, 155, 170, 185. And maybe... Maybe go even up to to, to uh, you know the light heavyweight and do really well there. You know, you guys remember, great fighters can do great things. B.J. Penn did it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. B.J. Penn did it, and he and he wasn't a big guy at all. Habib is much bigger, much bigger, and more, much more capable of, of what the B.J. was able to do because he had more mass. You know, he had more mass. You know, B.J. didn't. You know, he was a small guy, still is a small guy. Was that ever discussed between you guys, though, when Habib was still fighting that for him to move up to 170? No, it was never discussed. I was there when him and his father discussed it, and it was going to be 155, and that was it. And and the last fight they wanted was GSP, which is Habib. That's the fight father wanted. So when that fight was potentially put on the table just recently— I thought that is a possibility that it could happen because that's what father wanted. But unfortunately, things didn't work out the way they needed to work out. But that's the only only fight that I think could have happened. And it would have been 170, not like a catch weight. I guess you can't call it catch weight anymore because it would be made the division, the 165 weight yeah, division. Yeah, but I just heard, I just heard that Eagle FC and Habib, they're maybe asking George and Habib to do a grappling that's what I heard too. I actually was just about to ask you about that. Yeah, I just heard that. I just heard that from from the submission radio guys. Told me I go what? I go. Would you like? Yeah, I would like to see that because oh, not that grappling is the greatest thing to do, but since we're not going to see these two guys go at it in the fight world, it would be kind of cool to watch them in the grappling. That world. would be. Cool. I'm going to talk to Habib about it. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. But, but the submission guys did tell me about that. What's so crazy about GSP, though, is he doesn't even have a wrestling background. He taught himself as he was progressing in his career. But obviously that became such an important staple. I mean, he was such a well-rounded fighter. But if they were doing just a pure grappling match, Habib is definitely the man with the advantages. I agree. And and you know what his size, Habib's size, he's, Habib's about 195, 200 pounds. I was going to say he's looking like he's at least Bro, 200 he, right he's now. He's solid. He's solid. I grabbed him and went, oh, crap. He's pretty solid. He's pretty solid, bro. And guess what he still does? Dominates everybody on the ground. Just kills everybody. I'm not joking. Nobody I've seen him has killed him. He kills everybody. Everybody he grapples. He's always on top of him. When he gets on top of you, you guys ain't hardly anybody's getting away from him. 
He's so damn good. Speaking of damn good, I think this is a good time to let everybody know that today's podcast is brought to you by Bluemont, some of the best hair products in the world. Coach Hav, I know you're a stylish guy. I got some hair product for you right over here. This is some Bluemont right here. This is their Bluemont? original styling stuff right here. Oh, wow. We have a different discovery kit where you can find out based off of your hairstyles. Wow. Check them out. Use the promo code SHMO. Get 10% off. I love it. I use the fist sample, strong cold, their cloud control, all the right stuff. And wow. it doesn't smell bad when it stays in here, too. So check them out. Bluemon.com. Love that. Thanks. And little tiny ones, too. Of course. Oh, Those are sweet. so you could get a sample. So you could find out if you have thick hair, if you have thinning hair. If you have receding if you hair, like you can find dog, out what if you works look like for you. A little dog, a rhino, yes. a gorilla, all for a you. Lion, I think I'll take the lion. I don't like the zebra, the gorilla. Yeah, yeah. I'm the I'll lion. find the one that I'm fits the, for I'm you. I'm the lion, bro. I'm sorry. I'm the we'll lion. find the one that fits you. I'm the lion, Helen. Sorry, I'm the lion. And today's Definitely. podcast is also brought to you by Sheath Underwear, the most comfortable underwear in the world. Dual pouch protection separates the balls from the shaft. The guy who created oh it, Iraq God. War veteran, so he was overseas, Robert Patton, and uh, the balls were sticking to the shaft. He found a solution. <laughs> we got a really cool colors for you, Hav. I think you're, what, uh, maybe triple just... Triple X. Triple X. We oh, got yeah, you yeah, lined yeah. up for uh, you. Uh, not, oh, not double X. Triple X. Triple X. I think double X will fit you. No, we'll get you a triple X if need to. Might be too tight. Check them out. Use the promo code SHMO. Get 20% off sheathunderwear.com. And see, I told you we had gifts for you. I, I think, yeah, thank you. Uh, who's this guy? Sheath underwear. These guys. Underwear. Underwear. I think you could Triple use some. Triple X, coach. Not X. <laughs> I thought you could use an extra pair of underwear from all the training and all the sitting you're doing at the, you know, the And I don't have to table. wear underwear repeat. I don't repeat underwear, so. Oh, you never do? Never repeat. No, the, the one, one, one time only, and then never repeat. Never repeat. Oh. How many pairs of underwear do you go through? 365 pairs a year? No, I'm uh, talking about after wash you repeat. Oh, no, yeah. No, 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 okay. no. I'm talking about repeat, meaning. Oh, you never wear Two days. Two. Oh, never. No, no. Not the same. No, day. No, 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 <laughs> no, that would, that no. would suck. That would work. That would really suck. That would be terrible. They're not meant for repeats. Not meant for. I don't, I don't wear the same pair of underwear two days in a row. Unless I'm caught on like an overnight flight and it kind of bleeds Even into then, the next just day. Just go in the bathroom, take them off. You know, no, the airport bathrooms are absolutely disgusting. They are, though. Yeah. They're disgusting. Yeah, but still, take them off. <laughs> Real quick, take them off. Take them off. <laughs> Just take them off. Well, take yesterday, off. when we were traveling, flying back from Miami, you had to use the restroom. You go in and, like, run out because it was so gross. Yeah. it's uh, Some of these <laughs> bathrooms, I'm telling you, they're just – you can't go in them. Oh, even the women's restrooms? I feel like they're probably more disgusting. No way. No way. Ah, women, no, 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 no. Women, no, no. Men are disgusting. Women are not. No, I'm sorry. I actually. I am sorry. Women, well, no way. No way. Here's the thing Have you too. ever walked in a woman's bathroom by yes, accident? Yes, yes. Okay. I've been in women's by accident. By okay. accident. No way are women like men. No way. Well, you can never get me to believe that. The schmo, you're lying. No, I, Helen, you're correct. I told oh, wait a minute. Are you saying the women... <laughs> Are, are nice? Is she saying the women are not? She's saying they're not nice. Oh, I no, haven't no, even no, given no, my wrong. opinion. Here's You're what wrong. happened. The other day, we were editing our uh, interviews and stuff at a college campus because there's, you know, a coffee better shop. Better Wi-Fi. Yeah, and better Little Wi-Fi. Little secret trip. I go in the restroom, 
and then I'm washing my hands like three times, right? So then this lady comes out and it starts smelling really bad. And I'm like, okay, someone, you know, took a poop. She comes out and literally just walks past me out the door, doesn't wash her hands. And I tell David right away, I'm like, that's so disgusting. Like, and there was no line or anything. Just me and her stunk it up, walks out. College campus. Okay. Okay. That's bad. That's bad. Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you what happened to me yesterday. This is yesterday. Okay. I won't name the casino, but I'm gambling. I have to go to the bathroom really bad. The pee, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I go, open up the first, I look, pee all over the seat cover. Ah, I go to the next one. Pee all over the seat cover. I go to the next one. Now, I don't know what was on that one, but something was on that one. Okay, I said, damn it. The last one, the handicap one, was, was good. Can you beat that? Yes or no, Helen? Well, I have a funny story of when I was in the sixth grade. I'm just going to bring this up because we're talking about poop and bathroom stories. Yes. So I'll never forget this. This I'm scarred for life. But we all, all of us, when I was in the sixth grade, our vice principal went on the loudspeaker and called every single sixth grade boy down to the cafeteria for an emergency press conference or an emergency meeting. Not a press conference, <laughs> a meeting. I'm so used to our work. Emergency meeting. Uh, Mr. Shago. Shoulder Shago. rub Shago. Shago. Ladies and gentlemen, boys. I will never forget this. And they even brought us to the bathroom to see this. In my 30 years of teaching, <laughs> of, of, of looking over students, I've never seen anything as vile, disgusting, and grotesque in all my years. There's feces on the wall. There are feces on the wall. And he single-handedly walked us all over to watch. Someone wrote the F word. Spelled it all out with their poop on the wall. It was just absolutely disgusting. And I was scarred for life. Some kid, I guess, did that. Or who knows who did that? But every sixth grade boy had to go down there and look at the F word written in poop on the wall. Could have been a teacher. Could have <laughs> been a teacher. Cause. Or could have been him. It could have get attention. You're power right. tripping. He might have been power, power tripping. Tri uh, it could have been power tripping. <laughs> power tripping. Power tripping. So, so poop poop. Tripping, in other words, right? Yeah, so that was that was disgusting, and yeah, that was a boy's bathroom. A boy's <laughs> yeah. bathroom. Give us an example of a woman's, like you just said, because right now what you're saying well, is roses. <laughs> Speaking of roses, have you ever seen a bloody toilet? Unflushed. Yes. Yes. I've seen worse. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> are you, what? What level are you trying to take this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... Isn't the bloody toilet common as long as it's not on the seat? Listen, I saw enough blood this weekend at this BKFC knucklemania. We saw enough blood. You want to talk about a brutal fucking sport? That bare knuckle <laughs> oh, stuff, man. Yeah. I, I look. That's brutal. I, I don't know what to say. I I just I just don't know what to say. It, it, the cuts are prominent. It's, it, it's it's all action. Very entertaining, but sometimes you know it, it just. It makes you like, you know? Yeah. But we love guys like Mike Perry, Chad Mendez, guys that were crowd favorites, fan favorites in the UFC, outstanding fighters, but paid substantially a lot of money to get in there, 
and to do this bare knuckle stuff. How was the crowd? I'd never seen these events. Not one. Well, that was our first time going to it, so we didn't even know what to expect. It, it was. It kind of was probably like very similar to the original UFC days. You know, kind of a rowdy crowd, all into the fighting, all into the action. I think it was the largest gate though at that Hollywood uh, Guitar Theater right over there at the uh, the Rock Hard was, Rock Hard Rock Rock and Roll Hard <laughs> Rock Hotel. So was it a sold out event? I think it was a sold out event. Oh wow. How many th- people can fit in that theater? Well, it was like a theater setup. At least setup. six to ten thousand, somewhere in there, maybe. Nice. Maybe nice. am I? Am I uh, so did they make money? I, they made money. So okay. they definitely made they, money. What about them pay per view? You know, I don't know what they bought them. Nothing. It's four ninety nine subscription, and they put on at least one event every month, maybe two, and four ninety nine, and you get access to everything. Nice. So it looks. And it there's cool. entertainment for everybody. Will we see Cain Velasquez back in pro wrestling? Uh, Cain Velasquez, yes, hundred percent. Yeah, you'll see him in pro wrestling. He's already doing uh, that Ducha Libre. Uh, he's got to deal with them, and I think at one point you'll probably see him back in the WWE. Just that the COVID situation caused this. He was one of the higher guys that they, they was on the totem pole, but he wasn't as experienced, you know. So uh, who knows what was the reason? But he was let go for that particular reason. Are we ever going to see your friend Hasbula fight? I would say <laughs> no. I would think Hasbula Entertainment. Yeah, everybody loves to see Hasbula Entertainment, but. On a real fight? Come on, who really wants to see these guys fight? I don't. I, I mean, they're comical, they're entertainment, but I don't know. I don't advocate Hasbulla actually really fighting. I advocate the little messes he caused, you know, the little, little, that, and it's real though. It's real. Him and him and the other guy, the little guy, they don't like each other. So that thing's real. I thought it was phony. I thought it was all made up, but no, it's real. But to actually do a promotion and put those two guys to fight, it's kind of like, I don't know, I just think it's this freak show. I don't yeah, more know, circus I yeah, stuff. I don't think that's cool. How's the relationship between him and Habib? Because it seems like they have some sort of business relationship or friendship relationship. It, I don't yeah. know. I think it's okay. Hasbula is, uh, you know, friends. You know, <clears throat> Abu Bakar, Manap, which is Habib's cousin, is good friends with Habula's good friend who lives right next door to him or something like that. So that's where the, the connection comes with Hasbula coming around. I mean... People love that kid, you know, and I, young man, I say I should call him because he's like 20 years old, right? You know, but they love him. They love him. He's just the look. I mean, I when I was in uh, Dagestan, my friends would text me, oh, coach, we love you, but when you come back, can you please put Hasbulla in your suitcase? I'm sorry, but he's more famous than you. We love him. And I'm like, okay. You know, I don't know him like that. I was going to ask you earlier, when you were talking about Hasbulla and their beef and stuff someone else that has beef next weekend colby covington jorge masvidal wanted to kind of get your take on that whole situation guys that train together were best friends at one point now you know that's a that's a tough situation and it kind of separates teams when that happens you know uh i've been fortunate 20 something years we've had a strong team that hasn't happened to us yet i've only had like josh koshik attack me and uh more or less i have to take the 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 fault on that one right it's kind of my fault because i'm the head coach and i saw it happening and i didn't do anything to stop it i let it escalate so uh i don't like seeing that because teams implode when you do that like the greg jackson john jones scenario and uh you know there's a lot of things happening in my gym they're still kept behind closed doors nobody still knows about it like if i told you guys some of the things you go what so what? Who's this? What? Ah. And because you'd be like, 
I didn't hear about it. That's because we don't. We try. We try. We try. We try to keep it, you know, together. You know, we do a lot of things that are team unity. Uh, when you have a rogue fighter, which in this case was Kobe, the best case might have been to bring him on board first. And if you couldn't come to a good resolution, then maybe ask him it's best. Maybe he might go somewhere else, you know. And I don't know what happened in that case because I wasn't there, but it definitely causes good drama. Kobe's great talker, you know. Whether he's a real heel, I don't know. I never met the guy. He might be real. He might not be real. Like, okay, Chael Sonnen, we know he was phony, okay. <laughs> you know, his act was all phony. He was the, the gangster from whatever town he was with. Westland, right? Westland, Oregon. Oregon or something, which is a real affluent High, you know, rich area, right? So we know he's a great marketer. Uh, you know, Chael was great. So you didn't like Chael, but you loved Chael because he was great entertainment, wrestling type entertainment. Kobe, he's kind of like, I hate that guy. He's an ass kind of guy. Or I, you know, you got to be able to see what he's doing to really appreciate him. But one thing you can't not appreciate is his fighting. He could fight. He could fight. And whether he's delusional or not, and whether he won the last fight, any rounds of this or that, that's besides the point. He can really fight. So he's definitely one of the best in the world, if not the second best. In his opinion, he's number one, but I could very well be he's actually number two. Yeah, Dana has always said that if Kamaru Usman was not alive, he would be the champion. I would agree. I would agree. I would agree 100%. From what I've seen, I would agree. He's fun to watch. Well, what do you think are the repercussions for the loser of this fight? Like... If Masvidal loses, if, if Kobe loses, the loser of this fight, outside of the humiliation uh, from the trash talking and all that kind of stuff, if that even exists, like where do they go in their career if they lose this fight? Because they, both these guys need this in order to get another crack at the champion down the line. I think if Jorge loses it, I think he can wrap it. He's just going to fight specialty fights because he's such a huge name and fan favorite. Then he can go out and fight, but I think he's gonna. He's he's older, much older. You know what is he? Thirty six, thirty seven. He's in his mid thirties. Yeah. So he's 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 not. He's the one that can't afford to lose. Kobe loses. He's still young enough to rebound three, four more wins, and he could be back in the title contention. So one is bad for the other is not as bad. Well, something that David and I have talked about before in regards to this fight is the fact that so Kobe used to train at American Top Team, and Jorge obviously still works with some of the coaches that used to work with Colby. So who do you think has that advantage? Or, like, does that give Jorge any additional advantage, having, you know, working with coaches that are maybe familiar with Colby? Mm, I would say this. Uh, I think when you do have coaches that are familiar with somebody, I think there is an advantage, but that doesn't mean it's a guaranteed win for you. Perfect example, De La Hoya and Mayweather. Mayweather's father worked with De La Hoya. Therefore, it caused Mayweather to have one of his toughest fights. It was really close. Why? Because he had the father on the other side. So having coaches, if they know you really, really well, yes, it can make a difference. But if that athlete's that much better, you just made it a closer fight, but then I'm still beating you, right? So, you know, it's like David and I are fighting, He's going to whoop me, you know, easy. But I get somebody that's been training both of us and knows him inside and out, and now he's in my corner. Maybe I come closer to beating him, but I'm still not going to beat him. 
So you think Kobe beats Jorge? I, I definitely favor Kobe. I'm not saying he will beat him because I don't know. You can't never count uh, George out. Never, never, never count him out. He's a real fighter. Never count him out. But I say the advantage is on the wrestling because Kobe's going to go to his wrestling, bro. If, bro, sorry. Bro. <laughs> all good. <laughs> Schmo, no, bro. Schmo, Schmo, bro. bro. Sorry. Pro. No, it's all, all right. good. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> We're all bros. But they all. Busting balls. Busting, he's busting balls. <laughs> but the but not just conflict. the coaching aspect. These guys lived with each other. They were training partners for so many years. Yes, I know Masvidal was fighting at the 155-pound weight division, but it doesn't matter because they're still they're, not fighting at 155 yeah, they're, and they're training at 155. Yeah, it kind of sucks that they were that close to each other. And yeah. Look, one of the things we had that uh, didn't really fit that that kind of uh, you know that that demographic because John Fitch and BJ Penn, you know, fighting each other at that time. At that time that BJ was with us, I'm not sure if I remember if John Fitch was with training with us at that time. So when they fought each other, it wasn't as big a deal. It was not as big a deal. So so that wasn't so bad, but. Situation like that, it, it yeah, it can get kind of you know hairy, yeah, definitely for sure. Anything else that you'd like to say? We appreciate you coming yeah. on the Schmo Zone. Well, yeah, I mean, Kane Velasquez and I are, are are debating and working on. A, we're gonna do a podcast, but we don't know what to name it yet. We're thinking the Hob and Kane show, the Kane and Coach Hob show. I don't know for those of you guys that are tuning in, you know. Tell the schmo what you think uh, Kane and my podcast, and our podcast, sorry, because it's our podcast, what it should be named. And uh, shortly we'll be out there. But I want to also do with the uh, Spanish Latino flair, since him and I are both Latino and we both accomplished, you know, great things in the in, in the Latin uh, community. You know, it would be nice to, to, to give back, you know, and that's what Kane and I are thinking about doing. Let me know about that too, you guys, if you guys like that. Uh, so the name, and if you think the Latin flavor would be good, and having Kane and I. That sounds like a fantastic duo. And yeah. I could see you guys put it on like a luchador, uh, you know, mask and everything <laughs> like that. Are you going to you gonna run that out of the gym, out of the AKA gym, and even have guests on, guest, guest fighters on? How are you going to run the show? We didn't plan it that far ahead yet. <laughs> well, we'll talk. You got my brain spinning. I, I got some good ideas we, for you. We, we just, we just right now, we're in the talking stage. And uh, we're definitely going to do it. Uh, he's down for it. And uh, I kind of am looking forward to to because Kane is a brainiac. He is so, so good. And he's so funny that people don't know how funny this guy is. And uh, he is very, very, very funny. So let's see. Let's see what happens, you know. The Kane and Hobbs show. The Kane and Hobbs show. Yeah. What do you I think? That? That. The Kane and Hobbs show is that good? I also, oh, yeah. oh, I have a clothing line. I have a clothing line. Hobbs, J-A-V. I'll give you some. I love it. Where where do we get the hob? They're not clothes? done yet. They're not, not done, done yet. yet. No, they're coming. They're coming. The hob hob clothing line is coming. Website? How how are people? No website just it? yet. It's coming though. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. soon. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. It's just on your hob. Instagram. Uh, not, uh, I don't know if I'm going to put it on Instagram. Yes, I will eventually. Like you'll let fans know. I'll let fans know on, where Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram. Where's the post fight celebration Saturday evening? They never celebrate. I, what, why not? I know how you're going to celebrate Texas Hold'em, right? Yeah. Now. I know now. So what do you guys do With after the victory? With my five and six girlfriends. If, if only? It, if only. So he gets his hand raised. Let's just assume. he If he gets his hand raised, or when, or however you guys like to say it, what do you do? 
You just go back, do you eat pizza? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it? Margarita pizza. Habib likes margarita oh. pizza, Coca-Cola and burgers. Yeah. And then what? That's it. They That's have a it? good time. It's the guy show. You got to understand, these guys, look, these guys are Muslim through and through, 100%. They are the most loyal, most loving, most respectful fighters I've ever met in my whole entire life. They're my family. These guys, think about this. They've been with me, Habib's been with me for 10 years. Not one time has he ever really disrespected me. None of those guys have ever disrespected me. Their culture, the way they are as, as, a, as a person and how they treat their elders, second to none. Second to none. It's just, it's, it's the greatest feeling that to have these guys treat you with that much respect. You know, if we're going, like Habib's a superstar. We all know that. Big time superstar, right? You know that, right? Yeah. Okay, this was going to happen. We're being carted out. There's a giant limousine out front. The, the, the front seat is for the, the premier person. Habib's and I are we going, who do you think is going to go in the front seat every single time? Every single time, without no question. Well, I know it's not Habib. It's not Habib. It's me. It's me because I'm the elder. Now, when it was his father and I, we already knew who was going to be in the front seat. Father. I'm in the back. That's the way it is. It's the respect. It's the elder type scenario, and that, that's the way it is. Like Habib, and one of the times, you know, I go to his room, and he's got this beautiful room, and, and I see a cot on the side, you know, little little <laughs> roll away. And I'm going, Habib, where are you sleeping? Right here, coach. And I go, but they gave me this giant suite. He goes, yeah, yeah, Shamil, my big brother, he's in that one. And there I look, and there's Shamil. Wow. Nice, beautiful suite. Shamil, Habib's in the, the, the roll away. Why? Because that's his elder. Nobody I know does that. Nobody. But they do. Because they are who they are. 100% devoted to their religion. 100% devoted to their elders. And respect. Respect is, is, is given and earned with these guys. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And that's why it translates to him as a champion and everything he does yeah. in life. Yeah, his father trained him from, from, from when he was young. And, and I let, the way I look at it is I got Habib 95% of what Habib was. I added the 5% that put the little finishing touches. The polish. Yeah, I polished him. But he was already there. He didn't need me to train him from ground up. I didn't teach him any grappling. I didn't, I didn't teach him any jujitsu. I taught him how to do this along with his father because his father had a big part to do with that because we'd always say the same thing. I'd say, Habib, because he goes, yes, yes, coach, I know. My father says the same thing. <laughs> I went, oh, okay. That's why. You, know, you guys want me to tell you one story? want to tell you one little funny story. When Habib first came to me, he was destroying everybody. People asked me, hey, you know, what do you think of this guy? I go, man, he'd do great if he just listened. He just doesn't listen. He goes, what do you mean he doesn't listen? He goes, I, I say... Relax, relax. He goes harder. And, and, and yeah, he's dominating the guys, but Jesus, you know, not, he needs to relax. He needs to slow down, slow down. I meet his father, and his father says, Relax, relax. And he starts laughing. Ah, and I relax, and I'm going, Relax. All of a sudden, Habib tells me, Coach, you remember the time you used to tell me to, to you know, could not speak English, right? He wasn't able to speak. He goes, Remember the time you would always tell me, to relax, relax. He goes, yeah. He goes, I thought you always meant go harder. <laughs> so that's why he would go harder. I went, oh, darn it. That's why, you know. So it's like he would go harder. I say, relax, relax. He's going crazy. And I'm going, relax. He goes harder. And I'm like, oh, relax, 
to him meant harder. So he was listening. So that changed my attitude to what I thought he could be. I went, oh, wow, this guy, he is, because he's unbelievable on the ground. He came in that way. What I gave him is the finishing touches, making sharpening up his stand-up, because he didn't train with anybody but me. When he'd go back home, i tried to get him to train with other people, and he wouldn't do it. He was just too loyal to me on the stand-up, you know. And uh, while Islam Makachev was smart, he would train with other coaches, so that's why his striking was more advanced than Habib's. Habib's striking was less advanced, not because Habib is less talented. He's immensely talented. It's just if you got a year of training and Islam's taking the full advantage of a whole year of training and Habib's only taking advantage of maybe three, four months of training on the stand-up, who's going to have better stand-up? Yeah. Common sense, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's Habib. Most of his time was almost 95% of his stand-up was with me. So how is his stand-up going to improve if he only sees me, you know, three, four months out of the year? Well, did you ever come up with a new word instead of relax? No, he knows relax. Okay. (laughs) He knows relax. And uh, the rest is history. Yeah, the rest is history. Here it is. Well, we appreciate you coming on this week, Fight Week, Mr. Javier Mendez. Coach Hoff. Thanks, guys. The Schmo Zone. Schmo Zone. Episode 95. We are. 95 we are. Seven wives with this. I thought it was six. It's seven now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and ten girlfriends, by the way, over there, buddy. Royalty. 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 Living it up. Living it up. Yes, ten girlfriends. (laughs) We are out. (laughs) 